This is Speaking Freely with the ACLU of Pennsylvania. I'm Andy Hoover, your host and director of communications at the ACLU of PA. The podcast has been on hiatus, our winter hibernation, but the work goes on, and I'm looking forward to bringing you more insightful conversations in the coming months. On this episode, we're talking about a proposal to alter the way that Pennsylvania elects judges and justices to the state appeals courts, commonly known as judicial gerrymandering. I'm joined in this conversation by Kadita Kenner of Penn Budget and Policy Center. Kadita explains what judicial gerrymandering is and why you should be worried about it. This conversation was recorded on February 25th. So I'm with Kadita. It's really great to have you as a guest on the podcast. And I know it's been a busy and challenging few months for you. So let me just start with a very simple question. How are you? You know, my, my canned answer is always I'm hanging in there. I'm here. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Um, I know that you, um, you, you were involved in the count every vote, uh, uh, campaign and effort, and now you're doing judicial gerrymandering. I know you also had quite the bout with COVID as well. So you've been through a lot. Um, so I, let me, let's talk a little bit about the work. Um, tell us about your work at Penn Budget and Policy Center. You're the director of campaigns, and that includes running the We the People PA campaign and Why Courts Matter. What, tell us more about what you do. Yeah, so this month, uh, February, is my four-year anniversary with the Pennsylvania Budget and Policy Center. And as director of campaigns, there's two campaigns that you know I spend a lot of time on, which is Why Courts Matter Pennsylvania and also the Be the People campaign. So the Why Courts Matter campaign initially started, it's been around in some form or fashion for about 10 years, um, really trying to push back on problematic judicial nominees in the last four years is where a lot of that work, you know, we were on a lot of that work was about trying to push back on the problematic judicial nominees of the Trump administration. Um, so that's where we spent those four years. And now we know we're trying to make sure that we can maybe, you know, add to the court potentially, particularly around the district court level. But because of what's been happening in the state of Pennsylvania, it's been a need to not only have federal court work done by white courts in Pennsylvania, but also try to do some more judicial independence work on the state court level. Uh, if we remember like back to 2018 when we were trying to, or legislators were trying to impeach our Pennsylvania Supreme Court justices, um, that's when the white courts matter were kind of turned to a state level. Then there's also the We the People campaign. So the We the People campaign is our proactive legislative agenda campaign where we're trying to move good progressive legislation through the things of Harrisburg, um, be that, uh, you know, increase to the minimum wage, ensure that uh, we have fair and equal funding to K-12, public schools, higher education, housing, um, democracy issues within the We the People campaign as well. But yeah, we stay busy. And, you know, it's a full-time legislature, so we stay busy year-round. Yes, I am well aware of the full-time legislature and all the havoc they can create over the course of a calendar year. Um, but it's really great. The why the courts matter, why courts matter work is so important. You know, um, the right wing has made the courts uh, part of their project for forty plus years, and so having progressive voices uh, focus on the courts is really important. Uh, you and I actually have something in common in our professional lives besides the fact that we're advocates who live in Harrisburg. Uh, we both have a background in sports broadcasting. So how did you end up going from ESPNU, that's what I believe that's where you worked, uh, to being an advocate for Penn Budget and Policy Center? You know, I've always been an advocate for the courts, uh, been an advocate for 
with progressive policies. So, you know, I've always had that in me. I was pre-liberal, you know, in, in college initially, but then I went back to school and got a degree in broadcast journalism because I always wanted to be like Pam Oliver, like her job was something I always wanted. So I went back to school later in life in my 30s and got a degree in broadcast journalism. And, you know, I had done things like I worked on Obama's campaign in 2008 and I had worked on Bear Nutter's campaign in Philadelphia re-election in 2011. So I had already had some of that background of working on political campaigns. I'm in issue advocacy. You know, as a black woman, I've had to advocate for my issues for a very long time. So, you know, it's always been within me. Uh, but I, you know, later on in life, I went back to school, got a degree in broadcast journalism, got the privilege to work at ESPNU right out of college. Uh, that doesn't happen. <laughs> so happy about that. I'm also working with the CIAA, um, which is an HBCU sports conference um, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, so, yeah, I really enjoyed that. You know, I was in production trucks and game day. You know, I was there with the director and the producer, and I was making sure the commercials ran in. Um, you know, making sure that we were set up for our ins and our outs uh, of production. And here it was um, in Charlotte. I was living in Charlotte, North Carolina, where ESPNU is. And we had uh, something in North Carolina called HB2. There was legislation put forth that you had to use the bathroom that corresponded with your gender at birth. Um, and so um, because of that, the NCAA uh, pulled out of uh, Charlotte um, you know, in, in protest of what they were trying to do in Charlotte. And so some of us who worked in, in TV production found ourselves you know, without a gig for a little while, you know, I was without um, you know, full-time means for like a week. Um, when I got a call from the Hillary campaign to ask if I was interested in volunteering, I said, actually, I need a job right now. So I ended up being an organizer for Charlotte, North Carolina for the Hillary campaign in 2016. I had full intentions of going back to sports television production after that election was over. Um, but uh, after the results uh, came to bear, I realized that I needed to take a little hiatus from the job that I really was, was loving. I was producing and directing college sports programming. Um, you know, I was on Inspire TV with Magic Johnson's TV network. I was his TV production for sports programming. And so I left that um, to go and help defend democracy, right, with the folks here. And I, I left I left my new home of Charlotte and went back home to Pennsylvania uh, to work on the Why Sports Matter Project. So that's that's where I am now. Maybe one day I'll get back to sports production once once democracy has been saved. Right, we could start a new uh, advocacy group, Sportscasters for Progress. <laughs> Um, so let's talk about uh, judicial gerrymandering and House Bill 38. This is why I wanted to have you on, because you are one of the recognized experts on this, this issue. First of all, let's just start with the basics. What is it and what does it do? House Bill 38 um, is uh, it's a power grab. It's a poorly written bill. It's a power grab. Uh, that's my elevator pitch. Two-item two elevator pitch. Poorly written uh, bill that it's a power grab. What it is is it would change the way, uh, it's, it would be an amendment to our Pennsylvania Constitution, and it would change the way that we currently elect our appellate court judges, so our Pennsylvania Supreme Court, our Pennsylvania Commonwealth, and our Pennsylvania Superior Courts. Currently, we elect those judges, 31 of them. Uh, we elect them in statewide elections, and we've done so for quite some time. Uh, but what House Bill 38 would do, would change that, and we would no longer vote for these folks statewide, we'd vote for them in districts, and districts that are drawn by legislators, um, which takes away, you know, the fact that we're supposed to have uh, equal branches of government. Uh, we can't have the legislative branch usurp any authority over the judicial branch. Um, and so 
Um, House Bill 38 is, is problematic in that it would change the way that we currently elect our appellate court judges. Um, it's a it's a power grab by folks who are very upset at the courts, particularly the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, for decisions that have come out of that court in the last several years. And because they couldn't impeach those justices like they wanted to do in 2018, this is an opportunity to actually remove them from the bench. And that's not by you know, changing the, the districts. Right, exactly. And that last point um, is one of the things I wanted to ask you about. Isn't this basically revenge against the Supreme Court for for decisions the legislature doesn't like? Absolutely. This is this is all about um, some folks being very emotional about the, the the outcomes of what's come out, the decisions that have come out of the court. And this is nothing new, Andy. Right. So we can everything has some kind of historical historical perspective to it. We can go back to the fifties and the U.S. Um, Supreme Court Chief Justice Earl Warren. Earl Warren's court was overturning lots of Jim Crow, one of those being Brown versus Board of Education. And what happened during these times when they were overturning horrible Jim Crow laws? There were some folks upset about the rulings that were coming out of Chief Justice Earl Warren's court. And so what they wanted to do was impeach him. You know, there were billboards plastered all over the country saying, impeach Justice Earl Warren. They have a Confederate flag on one side and the United States flag on the other side of these billboards. Um, They were unsuccessful. Uh, but this is right out of that kind of playbook, where if you're not happy with decisions that are coming out of the courts, you want to either impeach them. And if you can't impeach them, then you're going to find other creative ways to remove them from the bench. And that is what House Bill 38 is about. And that, you know, it's not unusual for branches of government to be quarreling with each other. But if you're the average voter out there who's listening to this, what, what do you think are kind of the key two or three points why they should care? We may not all you know, pay a lot of attention so government, right? We haven't had civics since the ninth and tenth grade, right? But we all understand power grabs when they happen. We all understand when when somebody is trying to punish somebody else for decisions that they're making. Um, we know that our maps, our congressional maps, those twenty eleven congressional maps, we know that they were gerrymandered. We know that they were unfair. Um, and so this is just another opportunity to do that same type of thing. If you can't gerrymander the congressional maps, well, let's try to gerrymander the judicial maps. Uh, and break them up. So, you know, this is a this is a power grab that we don't understand. We don't want that. We we saw what happens uh, when government is dysfunctional. Um, we saw what happened on January sixth at the U.S. Capitol. These are all things that can be seen, you know, as being relative to what's happening today here in Pennsylvania. Um, we don't want the power grabs. We want to have a co-equal branch of government. That judiciary, that's the place that people go for justice. And when we don't have faith in our legislative branch and we're not happy with Congress or we're not happy with our state reps or we're not happy with the executive branch and we're not happy with what the governor is doing or we're not happy with what the president is doing. It's always been that judiciary branch is the place that we've had that, that abstract love for, that, that affinity for, for justice. And we know that the courts are where people go for justice. And so we don't want to mess with that. We don't want to politicize the courts. We don't want to break with the independence of the courts. And it's just not part of who we are as a country. And uh, and people get that. Pennsylvanians get that. Well, and, and the difference, comparing the courts to the legislature to me is such a false comparison. You know, the courts do not represent um, constituents in the same way that legislators do. You know, judges and justices are there to interpret the law and interpret the Constitution. Um, it's not the same as a legislator who goes to state capital in Harrisburg or to Congress um, to represent the um, views of the people that, that elected them. Absolutely. You know, Supreme Court justices don't have constituencies, right? They are to base their decisions upon our Pennsylvania Constitution and the law. 
Uh, they're not beholden to us, you know, be it where we, ever we live. There is no uh, Montgomery County or Center County way to interpret the Pennsylvania Constitution. It is the Pennsylvania Constitution. And so when folks are like, you know, I'd like to know my judge or know that they know where I come from, et cetera. I mean, you get that local flavor from your common pleas judges. Uh, maybe you know that judge. Maybe you've uh, seen that judge at Sunday service or more their lawn on the weekends. And maybe you attend something with you know them and their children. So, you know, you may get that local flavor there and they'll understand your regional needs there at the common pleas level. And that's where most cases end anyway. Most of these cases are never going to see the appellate court level. They're never going to get to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court to have their case heard. So when we talk about, you know, having some kind of regional understanding, you get that at the common pleas level. We talk about the appellate courts. They're the final arbiters. And so they are basing decisions on our Pennsylvania Constitution, which is a statewide constitution, and the law, which is statewide law. This idea is not unique, but it is rare. There are a few states that have a system like this. What has been the experience in those states? I know Illinois and Louisiana both have it. Yeah, so they're those states that are most similar to what it is that Russ Diamond, who is the sponsor of House Bill 38, opposes. So Illinois has been voting for their appellate court judges this way for almost 50 years, maybe a little over 50 years now, uh, the other state being Louisiana. And so, you know, the argument is, is that if we elect judges by districts, that we're going to somehow get more diversity on the bench. And that's just not been the case uh, for those two states. Uh, both Illinois and uh, Louisiana have never had more than one person of color sit on their appellate courts at any given time uh, by their judges, um, by districts. Um, the other argument that some will say is that somehow this is going to take uh, money out of these judicial races or dark money out of, of the situation. That's also not been the case with Louisiana and Illinois. I can tell you that Illinois had the most expensive judicial race in U.S. history. Uh, this past election in 2020, it cost $10.7 million for one judicial race for, it wasn't even a race, it was a retention election. Um, just to retain a judge, $10.7 million. 4.5 of that came from one hedge fund owner. So you about having some political influence. If I'm going to donate $4.5 million to your judicial campaign, I think I might have a little influence over you as a, as a, as a judge. You had mentioned or I had brought up the fact that you were involved in the count every vote effort in the weeks after the 2020 election. Where do you think this issue fits in this whole struggle over democracy? Is this one piece of a bigger picture? Definitely one piece of a bigger picture. It's it connect the dots. Well, I encourage everybody out there to connect the dots. You know, we're coming off of a contentious election, which was free and fair. Supreme Court has ruled that if we conducted a free and fair election here in the state of Pennsylvania, and, you know, we have folks who are upset about the results of the election, uh, trying to, you know, spend weeks, months, uh, more than 60 cases around our election, um, all to come back with results that they didn't like. And so this is just another way to uh, usurp authority. You know, voters decided. Uh, voters decided who, you know, won this past election. Um, and, you know, decisions came out of courts. It's, you know, it's, it's easy to connect that dot. And so if you didn't like the, the connection, if you didn't like the decisions that came out of the courts, the next thing to do is try to remove those those judges. Um, so this is, you know, it's a it's a broader attack on, on democracy. And, and here we have folks in the midst of a, of a global pandemic, a health crisis here in this country. Um, and for it to be so difficult for folks to cast their ballot, and they found a way 
um, particularly folks of color, found a way to make sure that their that their votes were counted. And now we're going to have legislators. You know, it's already happening in Georgia. Um, you know, putting uh, legislation on the books trying to disenfranchise voters and suppress votes. Um, and so, if that can happen in Georgia, that can happen in Pennsylvania. We already have folks who are not happy about how the mail-in ballot system worked here in the state, and we know that that probably saved lives. Uh, we didn't have to risk their life to get to the poll. They vote safely from poll um, and have their voices heard. So, you know, this is just an, this is an attack on our democracy, and um, and we're not going to stand for it because we see it. We're aware of what's happening, and we're not going to stand for it. So following the twists and turns of legislation can be challenging, certainly for folks who uh, their heads aren't in it 40 plus hours a week like yours and mine are. Um, what's the process and what's the status of House Bill 38? So thanks to folks out there who contacted the legislators, who had conversations with the legislators, now through postcards, through telephone calls, those who, you know, got in touch with legislators and, and lobbied them on behalf of opposing House Bill 38. You know, we thank all those people because of their advocacy, um, House Bill 38 will not be on the May ballot. Um, so you will not see a question, you know, a, a referendum question on your May ballot that alludes to this opportunity to break our, our judiciary into judicial districts. So that won't happen in May. I mean, there's, there's three other questions that you'll see in the May ballot, but one of those will not be House Bill 38. Uh, but we are pushing back because the legislature still has the opportunity to pass this in a second consecutive session. They've already passed it one time in both the House and the Senate. They pass it one more time in both the House and the Senate before August 2nd. Um, this could make the November ballot. And so we need to make sure that that doesn't happen because, Andy, in the state of Pennsylvania, we like to say yes on ballot referendum questions. We have said yes for the last 17 times there was a ballot since 1996. That's what Pennsylvanians do. We say yes. Yes. And uh, sometimes people will say, well, Governor Wolf will veto that, but this does not go to the governor. It's a legislative matter. And once the legislature passes it, it goes to the ballot. Absolutely. The governor cannot veto this. Um, so if folks listening to this want to take action, what can they do? Well, that's a great question. Please continue the advocacy that we've been on. It's, it's worked. You know, they tried to move this bill through the House and the Senate without us paying attention. They thought that after the 2020 election, that folks were going to go back to sleep. Um, and they got a rude awakening when they found out that that is not what happened. Uh, we'll continue to, you know, make those little calls. And that's what we ask everyone out there who's listening to this today. Uh, but they do continue making phone calls into your legislator's office because they're very impactful. That's a ground smell of public opinion. If I can get four people to call one legislator's office in the same day about the same issue, that's a ground smell of public opinion because how often do we actually reach out to our state legislators? Uh, so one thing people can do. Um, they can also write letters, uh, letters to the editor and op-eds. You know, people still read newspapers, so people can still do that. And we know that legislators read these op-eds and these letters to the editor, especially if their name is mentioned in it. Uh, so we can do that. Uh, there's also uh, Judicial Independence Project of Pennsylvania. It is a um, grassroots and grass tops table, fight back table, of more than 125 organizations that have come together to fight back against House Bill 38. We have a website. It is uh, judicialindependencepa.org. And you can find their resources about this. Um, there's an explainer video, a cartoonish type video to explain judicial um, districting. And then there's also the 
to action, which is just a couple click, uh, clicks of, you know, go on, on your phone and click a couple things, and you can actually send a letter to your legislator right from there. It takes 60 seconds, literally 60 seconds. And if folks are interested in Penn Budget and Policy Center, the We the People campaign, why courts matter, where can they go for information? You can go to our website, um, so krc-pdpc.org. Um, we're all on Facebook. We do a great job keeping up with our Facebook pages, um, especially the Why Courts Matter Pennsylvania Facebook page. Go there. I, I encourage you to go there. We share lots of information um, on that uh, on that Facebook page. Um, but yeah, we're we're around. We host town halls. We're we're out there, and, and you know we can't do these things in, in public um, anymore. But we can do them on Zoom, and we're actually doing more of them now that we're able to do them on Zoom and other digital platforms. So. Look out for us. We're everywhere trying to, uh, you know, educate um, constituents out there about these issues. You know, we haven't had this since ninth and tenth grade, and um, now that we're home and um, maybe we have some opportunities to learn a little bit more, uh, we can do that. And, and let's get engaged and have dialogue about these issues, and we can do it respectfully. And uh, and we need to have them because our, our democracy is at stake, and there's too many lives at stake as we're not um, we're not paying attention and looking out for one another. Well, Kadita, thanks for all that great information. And I've been on those calls with the 125 organizations. Is that what you said? <laughs> and uh, you are leading the way. It's been great. And I, I, I will always appreciate your, your counsel. And sometimes we'll get calls from reporters about judges or about courts. And I'm like, ask Kadita Kenner. She'll know. <laughs> so thanks for the time. That's Kadita Kenner, Director of Campaigns for Penn Budget and Policy Center. Be sure to check out judicialindependencepa.org to learn more about House Bill 38 and about how to take action. ACLUPA also has a live action alert where you can send an email to your state representative. The link to that action is in the show notes. The podcast is going to video. We're going to start offering select episodes by video on YouTube. So be sure to check us out and subscribe to our YouTube channel with the handle ACLUPA. And that is a wrap on episode 55. The editor of this episode of Speaking Freely was Cambria Lee. Our music is from bensound.com. The executive director of the ACLU of Pennsylvania is Reggie Shuford. I'm Andy Hoover. Until next time, be healthy and be free.